Today is a day that we are celebrating Easter, and what a celebration. This weekend, just so you know, 18 baptisms happening between tonight and tomorrow. And um, <laughs> I, love, I love when Brad comes to me, Brad comes to me, and he's like, hey, Billy, we've got three more. Can we squeeze them in at 930? And I'm, I'm just going, yeah, I think we can. And anyway, they're, uh, they're, they're moving to the next one. But here's what's uh, one of those things that a lot of people don't see. When you're talking about 18 baptisms in a weekend, I'm going, I don't even know if there's going to be any room to preach. And I start reading through the testimonies because we thought, you know, what we'll do is we'll just share like one testimony per service. That's what we'll, you know, just one or two testimonies per service. And I start reading through the testimonies. I'm like, that one's a keeper. And I'll, that one, that one's amazing. This one, this one's a kick in my guts. You know, I got to keep that. I read through and I'm like, so I go to Brad and I'm like, Brad, we have to do all of them. He's smiling at me like, I knew you would say that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know. So just blown away, 18 people getting into the baptism waters to publicly declare their faith in Christ as Lord and Savior. Absolutely awesome. Well, tonight we're going to be in the book of Luke looking at the resurrection. Luke was a doctor. If you didn't know that, he's a doctor, so he's very, very thorough. In fact, he starts his entire text by saying this. He says that this is an orderly account that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. Certainty. He said, I want you to be certain that you were taught that Jesus Christ came into this world. That's called Christmas, right? We celebrate Christmas where Jesus came to this earth. And so we want to be certain in that. That's what Luke is saying. He's saying, we want you to be certain about Jesus being without sin. He lived a perfect and a sinless life without blemish. We want you to be certain of that. And we want you to be certain in the fact that he was crucified on a cross. <coughs> that he died the most violent of deaths on our behalf. That he paid the sin debt that you and I owed. And we want to be certain in the resurrection. Open your Bibles to Luke. Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49 is where we're going to be. Luke 24, verse 36 through 49. So if you are joining us for the first time, we've been in a sermon series called Soul Food. Soul Food. Now, when I first heard soul food, I'm thinking some fried food, y'all. I'm from down south. So I hear soul food, and that's not what the series is about at all. This series is about all those places in Luke where Jesus sits down and he carries out his mission around the table around dinner, around a mealtime with others. And so I just want you to consider for a moment, what if? What if on the way out of here tonight, we got a couple more songs. By the way, we're not done singing. We got a few songs left that we're still gonna sing. So imagine after the few more songs, you go out and in the lobby, Jesus. It's not like I'm dressing up like Jesus and I got real nice Pantene washed hair. Not that kind of deal. I mean like real Jesus resurrected Christ is standing there in the lobby and he goes, hey, I hear that over there at that Dairy Queen, you know, the one in town, the village, whatever that is, you know, that there's a Dairy Queen there and they got an ice cream, one of those blizzards. Did you know that? And they got one right now. It's that Girl Scout cookie one and I hear it's delicious. I personally, I wouldn't know anything about that. I mean, I might know a little, I know everything about that and it's delicious, just so y'all know. So anyway, what if Jesus said, I want you to go with me, let's have a snack. Or if you're like sugar-free, if you're sugar-free, dairy-free, all the frees, what if he said whatever your favorite snacking place is, whatever that would be, like let's go there. What do, you, what do you think that'd be like? What do you think it'd be like if Jesus said, 
I want you to join me. Let's sit around the table together. Let's break bread or ice cream together. Like what I, I think based on the text today, there's three things we would see. The first thing is I think we would see that Jesus's resurrection is true. The resurrection of Jesus is true. Look down at your Bible, Luke 24, starting in verse 36. Luke writes this. He says, as they were talking about these things, I'm going to talk about these things in just a moment. I promise I'll come back to that. But it says, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you so troubled? And why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. So how do you know? Like, like I mean, seriously, how do you really know that the resurrection of Jesus is true. Because, guys, I don't encounter that every day. You don't either, right? I have seen some incredible things that doctors can't explain, but I've never seen the person who's been dead for three days all of a sudden not be dead. I haven't seen that, and you haven't seen that, right? We haven't seen that, which means you probably have encountered people that when you talk to them about Jesus, they turn around and they say, like, I love the teachings of Jesus. I think that's great, and, and I'm really encouraged by how much he loved people. I just... The resurrection thing is weird. Like, I don't know about that. Or maybe it's not someone you know. Maybe you're watching online and it's you. And maybe you're sitting right here and it's you. Maybe you are that person where you're going, I I want to believe. I mean, the resurrection is just tough to swallow, right? This is hard stuff to believe. I just want to say this. That's valid, right? That is a valid concern. That is a valid reason to pause. And you're in good company. I'll get there in just a moment. First, let's go back to Good Friday. Good Friday is the day that Jesus was was executed on the cross. He paid for the sins of all humankind. No one took the life of Jesus. Jesus gave his life freely as payment for your sin and my sin. They took Jesus off the cross. They placed him in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. That's where Jesus remained all of Friday, all of Saturday, until the third day. It's on the third day that the women arose early. They didn't even have time to prepare the body of Jesus for burial. So early on Sunday, they got up and the women made their way to the tomb. And earlier in Luke, it says that when they got to the tomb, there were a couple of angels there. And the angels were like, hey, Jesus in here, he's, he's risen. And the women were like, wait a second, Jesus told us that this would happen. Jesus said, we didn't know that this is exactly what he was talking about, but he said that this was what was going to happen. So they hightailed it back to the 11 disciples. So there were 12, but Judas has gone off by now. So there's 11 left. So they go as fast as they can to get back to the 11 disciples. Time out on that story. Let's go back to the disciples. So there's 11. Well, a couple of the disciples are like, we're going to hit the road. We're going to go to Emmaus. It's about seven miles away. So they start to walk toward Emmaus. And as they're walking toward Emmaus, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is right there with them. 
And he's walking with them. And he's talking to them. And he's teaching them the scripture. The thing is, they don't know it's Jesus. They don't recognize the fact that they are walking with Jesus. And so they sit down and they start to eat. They break bread together. And it's when they break bread together and they're eating around the table that their eyes are open and they freak out. They're like, it, it's Jesus. Like, this is really Jesus. So then they get up and they hightail it back to the others, right? They're like, we got to go tell the other disciples. And so they're running back to tell the other disciples. So seven miles to Emmaus, seven miles. That's like 14 miles round trip if they made it all the way. That's a different discussion. So back to the ladies now, right? So these women were told by the angel, Jesus is resurrected. They get to the disciples. Peter hears, and scripture tells us in Luke that Peter runs to the tomb to see for himself. And then he gets back and all of a sudden the 14 mile guys get back because when they hear, here's what scripture says in verse 11. Luke says, these words, when the women told them the words, these words seemed to them an idle tell, and they did not believe them. These guys who had seen Jesus bring people back from the dead, heal the lame, heal the sick, heal the blind, like they had seen all of this. They heard what these women said, and their words seemed an idle tell. They did not believe them. So they start to come up with alternatives. I don't know, you know, maybe Jesus just... From the pain, maybe he passed out on the cross. He wasn't really dead and then stuck him in the tomb and then he woke up. Maybe that's what happened. You can see John there, right? John's like, okay, while y'all were in hiding, I was actually at the cross. Like I was there, the whole spear in the side. No, Jesus was dead. I, I'm, I'm a person who was actually there and I'm telling you for a fact, Jesus was dead. And they're like, okay, Jesus was dead. So maybe that was a ghost. Maybe they were just seeing a ghost, a spirit, something like that. And so that's when all of a sudden the 14 mile guys come busting in the door. You see in this scene play out, like they're like, it might be a ghost. They come busting the door. The thing is when they come busting the door, Jesus comes in as well. And that's where we see scripture say in verse 37, and it's right in front of him that they're sitting there thinking, yeah, this is definitely a ghost, right? This, this is some type of spirit. This is ghost. And so Jesus answers those questions in three ways. First, he asked them, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? You see that? Now, Jesus isn't being cynical here. That's what we do, right? When we see someone who's struggling with something, we kind of poke fun a little bit. We're cynical and we think it's, it's humor and it's funny. That's not, that's not what Jesus is doing. And we know that because look at the very, very next thing he says. He says in verse 39, see my hands. And my feet, that it is I myself, touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. He is removing any doubt that this group might have. And then he goes to this very next step. Because they're starting to see and they're starting to have some joy. But at the same time, they're like, ah, I'm still struggling with this. Like, I mean, I see him, but maybe it's a ghost. Like, maybe it is. Like, I'm kind of freaked out. I don't know. And so Jesus just kind of says, hey, you got anything to eat? Which is like, read it. Like, that's kind of like, that's interesting, Jesus, that that's what you went with. But that's what he went with. Hey, I'm kind of hungry. You got, you got anything to eat? And so they give him some broiled fish. And look what it says he did. He took the broiled fish. He put it into his mouth. And he ate. Because dead people don't eat. And a ghost 
doesn't eat. A spirit doesn't eat. A man who is dead and came back to life and is living eats. Jesus erased any doubts that they may have had. And here's what I love is when you see this whole scene play out, it is crystal clear that their doubts are removed. It is supposed to build our faith and our courage so that our doubts are removed as well. What would it be like if you went out to dinner with Jesus tonight, if you went and got a snack after the service is over? One, you would be absolutely convinced that the resurrection is real. Here's why, because Jesus would say, here's the wounds in my hands, here's the wounds in my feet. Hey, let me have something to eat with you. And all of a sudden, any doubts that you may have had, they're gone. They're erased. The next thing that you're going to see, if you're having dinner with Jesus, you're going to see that the resurrection is taught. Look at verse 44. Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. And everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And so Jesus begins to teach them. He begins to teach them that all of this has been done to fulfill the scriptures. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born, there were prophecies there were prophecies about the coming Messiah, about the coming rescuer. So there was a math guy. He was a department chair of math and astronomy. He took 600 college students, 600 intervarsity college students, and brought them together. And he said, I want to figure out mathematically what the chance would be of Jesus being the one. Let's say that we want to find out the mathematical chances of Jesus being the one just to fulfill eight Old Testament prophecies, just eight. And here's what they found. They found the number to be one and 10 to the 17th. Now, some of you are like math people and you're like, whew, that's a lot. I'm a math person. I'm like, cool. Like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Right. And so I love the picture that they gave with that. They gave a picture and they said, okay, take a silver dollar. And I'm like, got it, silver dollar. I can imagine that. And, and lay a silver dollar down in the state of Texas. And keep laying silver dollars down in the state of Texas until the entire state is covered in silver dollars two feet deep. And I'm going, that, that's a lot of silver dollars. Now, imagine one of those silver dollars has an X on it, just one. And the whole state of Texas, two feet deep, silver dollars, one has an X on it. Now, I'm going to Billy eyes the story, right, because it gets better now. So you go to Oklahoma, because that's where I'm originally from, y'all. You go to Oklahoma. That's the state right above Texas. If you don't know Oklahoma, just go to Texas and go north. That's Oklahoma. Go to Oklahoma and tell the person they have to cross the Red River. And they're going to go, why do I have to do that? And you're like, this is just part of the story. So you got to go across the Red River. And you put a blindfold on them. And you tell them, I want you to start, start walking. Just walking in Texas. Just walk any direction in Texas. You can't cross the borders. You have to stay in Texas. You go as far as you want to go. And when you're feeling froggy, what I want you to do is reach down and grab a coin and hold it up. The chances of you grabbing that coin with the X is 1 times 10 to the 17th. That's for just eight prophecies. But did you see what Jesus said? He came to fulfill all the prophecies. Every single one of them, Jesus fulfilled them all. And he's teaching them how that happened. 
Now, the thing is, the disciples in that moment, they didn't just need some mathematical proof. That's not what they needed. That's what makes this next line so powerful. Look what it says in verse 45. It says that Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Do you understand that? Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This was the moment, church. This was the moment that they understood that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. This is when they understood the whole reason for Jesus holding up the bread, saying, this bread is like my body that will be broken for you and for all so that sins can be forgiven. Do this in memory of me. This is when they finally understood it. This is when they understood that Jesus is the culmination, the apex of the entire word of God, that it was all for this moment right here as the rescuers come. This is when they understood Like, this is it. This is when they got it. Their eyes were opened by the power of the Lord, not because they got smarter, not because Jesus just happened to teach it right in that moment. No, it's because the power of the Lord, their eyes were open. And I want you to know that that same truth applies today. I can't can't tell the story in a compelling enough way to open your eyes. I want you to know that. I can't do that. I can't. I can't tell you just the right verse that all of a sudden all this is real to you. I can't do that. It's only the power of the Lord. It is only the power of the Lord. And here's what had happened. The disciples all of a sudden, they had stopped debating with Jesus. You know, even at the Last Supper, they were debating with him. Lord, you can't wash my feet. Right? They were still debating. Lord, where am I going to sit? I want to make sure that I get this place. That's where I want to sit. They were still debating. At the Last Supper, they were debating with him. All of a sudden, they're not debating anymore. Their mouths are silent. Their ears are open. Their hearts are open. And look what the Lord does. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe, man, you've been debating the Lord for a long, long time. Maybe you've been telling him how it is or how it has to be. And if he only loves you, then this is the way it's got to be. Maybe, maybe tonight is about silencing your voice a little, opening your ears and your heart to the movement of the Lord. And all of a sudden, that's that place where you're really going to see. And then Jesus doesn't stop there. There's one more thing. If you went to dinner with Jesus, not only would he teach you how he fulfilled the scriptures, but he's going to challenge you that the resurrection is to be told. That's not just for you. Right, That the salvation through Christ isn't just for you that it's supposed to be told. Look at verse 47. It says, And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promises of my Father to you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Jesus says his truth isn't just for us. He says in verse 46 that the Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. He said that Christ would rise from the grave and we should preach the repentance for the forgiveness of sins that should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. So we know that, don't we? That's exactly what the disciples did. They started in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came on them and there was a boldness in the gospel that was preached, thousands came and were baptized in one day during Pentecost. Just incredible. Like we see three, we see 18, and and my heart leaps for joy. Can you imagine thousands? My mind can't even take that in. And then the gospel continued from Jerusalem and went to Judea and Samaria 
and to the ends of the earth. Why? Because other brothers and sisters just continue to tell the truth. But I think what we do, though, is we make excuses. You see, some of you, maybe you're still struggling with what you believe. Do you believe it? Do you don't believe it? Many in this room, many watching online, you are Christians. You are followers of Jesus. And so my question is, when's the last time you told someone the truth? Here's what we do. We go, well, I mean, yeah, I think you should be a Bible scholar to do that. Or real, real persuasive. Or you should be one of them eloquent speakers like my pastor. He talks real good, you know. And if I only could talk real good, you know, then I'd tell people about Jesus. I think sometimes that's what we think. But I want you to look at the example of Christ. Look at his example, church. He sat down and he ate. And he told them the truth. That's what he did. Are you seeing that? He just loved them enough to tell them the truth. Because Scripture says when you tell them the truth and they believe in him that you will not perish but have eternal life. Scripture says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth you confess and you're saved. Have you ever done that? Have you ever stopped and confessed Jesus as Lord of your life? 27 years. It was 27 years ago on Easter for me. And I'll never forget it. You know, the thing is, I I was about to miss heaven by 18 inches. Like I knew, some of you, you know here, you know the facts. You've been to Easter services, you know the facts. God loves me, you know that. I've sinned, you know that. I've fallen short of the glory of God. I'm not perfect. I'm not holy all the time. I try, but sometimes I goof up. You know, so you know that. The wages of sin is death. Forever separation from a holy and an awesome God. You know it right here, right? That's why Jesus came. He lived a perfect and sinless life. You've heard that. You know it. He was crucified on a cross. He was put into a tomb. And he stayed there until the third day when he rose from the dead. Conquering sin, death, Satan, he conquered it all. You know it. See, I I knew. For years I knew it here. I just didn't believe here. I was about to miss heaven by 18 inches. The distance between my head and my heart. 27 years ago, though, it changed for me. It was an Easter morning. I was actually doing a church drama. I was doing a play. And uh, I tried to tell them, I'm like, guys, I, I don't believe everything you believe. I mean, like, I think it's true, but you know. And they're like, no, no, we know you can still be in our little Easter play. This was a long time ago. So as I was doing the Easter play, I was actually right there. Right down at the bottom of the stairs is where I was standing. And I was looking up a center aisle. We had a center aisle in that church. And the guy playing the part of Jesus was coming down the aisle. And he fell, and when he looked up at me, I'm going to tell you, in that moment, I finally got grace. I understood the grace and the mercy. What would it be like to go to dinner with Jesus tonight? Here's what the disciples encountered. They encountered grace. They encountered patience. For years they had been with Jesus. Do you see the patience of Christ in those moments? They encountered a risen Savior. That's what you would encounter. My friends, if you've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, I just hope tonight is your night. In just a few moments, we'll have a prayer team. They'll be gathered right over here in this this corner under the screen. They'll be there. They'd love to pray over you. 
If you're going, I don't know what to do to give my life to Christ, they would love to pray with you. Maybe you're going, this has been an amazing week. I just want to celebrate with someone. They'd love to pray a prayer celebration over you. If you're like, I've got some heavy stuff going on in my life. I'm pretty confused about some things. I don't know what to do. You don't have to tell them all the details. You could just say, pray for some wisdom. There's some people who would love to pray for you. But I want you to know that you don't need me. You don't need them to surrender your life to Christ. And so why not take that step right now? Father, we thank you. We love you and we praise you. Lord, it's so easy to try to be good enough, to try to measure up, to try just not to mess up anymore. And the thing is, Lord, we always do. I know that's why Christ came. It's because he did what we couldn't do. And we know that it's through our faith in Christ that we receive new life. Lord, I thank you for those three individuals who showed an example of what that looks like for the celebration of this church family standing alongside of them. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. Maybe a long time ago, they surrendered their lives to Christ, but they've been way too quiet about what they know to be true. They know because they've tasted, they've seen, they've heard, they've experienced, they've lived, and yet we've been way too quiet. Lord, give us an excitement in our faith, an assurance of your lordship in our lives. Don't let us get tired. Don't let us get quiet. So Lord, for those who know they're supposed to speak, don't let them stay silent. Let them speak. And for those who have never surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, I pray in this moment that they just throw open the doors of their heart and they just say, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ came and lived and died and lived again, that he conquered sin and death and Satan. I'm placing my faith and my hope in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. God, let this Easter start the countdown to new life for them right here and now. Lord, it's such an incredible blessing to be able to gather tonight to lift high your holy name, to respond to you in worship. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Church, we are not finished yet. There are a few songs still left to sing, and I have to tell you, this is one of those nights that I wish didn't have to come to a conclusion. I wish we could just continue on celebrating, but this right now I want you to know is such a snapshot of what eternity will be like for us. Let's stand as we sing together.